inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday, August the 10th, 2000. And 22, praise be to God. Uh, you're almost you're almost at the halfway point through August already. It's just flying by. Today we're going to have a great conversation with Nathan Wigfield. He is the director of the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, and it's a, a prayer retreat facility up in Pennsylvania. We're going to have a, t- a conversation about the Liturgy of the Hours, why it's so important to Nathan and why he feels he wants to help more Catholics discover uh, the liturgy of the hours in their own life. We're going to have that conversation coming up at 35 past the hour. Lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, of course, at 15 past the hour. The Irish government intends to introduce fines and prison to those that would uh, pray to try to persuade women not to have abortions. Uh, That's interesting considering, you know, the Catholic history of Ireland, which they seem seemingly have abandoned. We're going to conversate about that at 15 past the hour, plus the fact that the Nicaragua has arrested a bishop down there. The, the persecution against the church is ramping up. David L. Gray from the Gray Report is going to be on at the top of the next hour in our second hour. We're going to discuss the connection between a growing barbarism in the world and society and the universal call to evangelize this world. If we're not evangelizing the world, is the world getting sicker? What's the opposite of that? That's coming up with David O'Gray at the top of the next hour. Hey, India holds its first March for Life ever, you know, mourning some 800 million aborted children in their country. The Biden administration is flooding the market with one million barrels of oil per day, to help bring down the cost of the pump for you, praise be to God. It's only at the cost of our strategic reserve, which is going to run out. So there's that. Hey, and after years of rapid growth, it looks like the housing market's uh, showing signs of slowing down. Maybe a good time to buy, Rudy Carlos. Oh, you can't fool me, Joe. Come on it, now. It's it's always been a good time. It to may buy. be a good time to buy. That uh, <laughs> I think the inflation report comes out today for July. Mm. Some are saying there may be some numbers of hope in there. Some would say. Some would say. I'm I'm looking forward to taking a look, but uh, you know, I looked yesterday, uh-huh. and uh-huh. all of the inventory here in town yeah, yeah, is yeah. gone. It's really? under contract. What? So. <laughs> Come on now. That doesn't mean it's uh-huh. going to go through, but yeah, yeah. Well, some are saying it's good news. Others saying lipstick on a pig. We'll have to find out. Hey, a government crackdown on Catholics and Nick. Nicaragua, as I mentioned a minute ago, is ramping up, so I want you to keep them in your prayers. And there was also a very interesting video out of a, of a, a group of uh, young children in Houston, Texas, all Muslim, swearing oath of allegiance to the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran and, and vowing to become his martyrs. Huh. So there's that. Anything well, on your radar, Rudy? Uh, oh, those kids? Yeah. Oh, don't worry about those. No, don't. <laughs> Just, okay. No? Wow, that's Forget odd, it. Joe. That's actually very It's concerning. like a VBS, but for Muslim children. Hmm. And they just swore an oath to become martyrs for the Ayatollah. That's all. No big deal. I mean, no. Yeah, nothing to You see haven't here. done that? No, not lately. Why not? Praise be to God. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Well, you know? good to hear you. <laughs> good to hear that you're here, well, sir. They you know? conversation. Wow. Well, bye. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say. No, what do they say? 
they say it's always good to pledge your allegiance to the Ayatollah. Is it? Is that, mm-hmm. that what they say? That's what they say. I'm going to have to look that mm-hmm. phrase up. I must if, have missed if that. If by they we mean the, mm-hmm. you know, terrorist. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. That they say that a lot. Do they really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, every conversation I've had with them. Well, said that. we are going to have some interesting conversations today, do be sure. But it's not all, you know, bad. Again, the Liturgy of the Hours conversation is coming up at 35 past the hour. Have any of you tried to uh, pray the Divine Office? I did a long time ago when I was discerning the priesthood. Yeah. And I was going through it, and then I was a young guy at the time, so I was mm-hmm. looking through it, and I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm reading. I don't know what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? No. <laughs> Nobody explained it to I me. I think that you have to have advanced degrees just to figure out where in the book you're supposed to be at any given time. Right. And, That's uh, always annoying. I, just, I never understood why the priest was required to pray this every day. So mm-hmm. I just kind of fell away. It's one of those devotions that didn't stick. And Adrian, did you pray it in the uh, in the in the uh, Dominicans? Of course, of course, we have to uh, pray it every day, all the hours, mm-hmm. and we prayed uh, all the hours in community. Oh, so. well. So uh, I know a lot of lay folk do like to pray it. So mm-hmm. we'll learn more about that coming up at 35 past the hour with our guest, Mr. Nathan Wigfield. So stick around for that. Let's pray and let's jump in. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, August 10th, and here are your headlines this morning. Breitbart reports Gallup shows rising opposition to immigration. This is a Gallup poll. Republicans' desire for less immigration has surged since 2020. The mounting desire for decreased immigration in recent years has been driven mainly by Republicans, whose preference for reducing immigration is at 69%. That's up 21 points since June of 2020, when 48% expressed this. Opposition to migration has nudged up among Democrats and independents, said the survey, which showed a five-point increase among independents up to 33%, and a four-point increase among Democrats to 17%. Reuters reports U.S. to send Ukraine $5.5 billion in new fiscal military aid. The United States will send an additional $5.5 billion in aid to Ukraine, made up of $4.5 billion worth of budgetary support and $1 billion worth in military assistance to help it come to grips with the turmoil of this year's Russian invasion. The $4.5 billion budgetary grant will fund urgent government needs, including payments for pensions, social welfare, and health care costs, bringing total U.S. fiscal aid for Ukraine to $8.5 billion since Russia's February invasion. Uh, this is according to the U.S. Agency for International Development set. The LifeSite reports Canadian government data shows a 260% increase in anti-Catholic hate crimes. On August 2nd, Statistics Canada published a report revealing that hate crimes across the country against Catholics in 2021 experienced the largest rise out of any group, a new story which has largely been ignored by mainstream media. The total recorded hate crimes against Catholics rose from 43 in 2020 to 155 in 2022. Furthermore, misleading reports of alleged indigenous mass graves sparked a series of attacks against Catholic churches across Canada. 
More recent investigations from January 2022 found that despite the allegations of alleged physical genocide on the part of the church, no graves have actually been found. And the Epic Times reports China's military exercises are preparation for invasion. The Chinese Communist Party is using military exercises around Taiwan to prepare for an invasion of the island, according to Taiwan's foreign minister. It is conducting large-scale military exercises and military launch and missile launches, rather, as well as cyber attacks, disinformation, and economic coercion in an attempt to weaken the public morale in Taiwan. Joseph Wu did not give a timetable for when he expects the Chinese Communist Party to mount an offensive on the island, but U.S. military leaders have estimated such an attack could happen by 2027. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Lawrence. He was born in 225. He was a Roman deacon under Pope Saint Sixtus. Four days after this pope was put to death, Lawrence and four clerics suffered martyrdom, probably during the persecution of the Emperor Valerian. As deacon in Rome, Lawrence was charged with the responsibility for the material goods of the church and the distribution of alms to the poor. When Lawrence knew he would be arrested like the Pope, he sought out the poor widows, the orphans of Rome, and gave them all the money he had on hand, selling even the sacred vessels of the altar to increase the sum. When the prefect of Rome heard of this, he imagined that the Christians must have considerable treasure. He sent for Lawrence and said, "You Christians say we are cruel to you, but this is not what I have in mind. I am told that you priests offer in gold that the sacred blood is received in silver cups." That you have golden candlesticks at your evening services. Now, your doctrine says you must render to Caesar what is his. Bring these treasures. The emperor needs them to maintain his forces. God does not cause money to be counted. He brought none of it into the world with him. Only words. Give me the money, therefore, and be rich in words. Lawrence replied that the church was indeed rich. I will show you a valuable part, but give me time to set everything in order and make an inventory. After three days, he gathered a great number of blind, lame, maimed, leprous, orphaned, and widowed persons, and put them in rows. When the prefect arrived, Lawrence simply said, "These are the treasure of the church." And Dacius said to the blessed Lawrence, "Sacrifice to the gods." And he answered, "I offer myself as a sacrifice to God, unto the odor of sweetness, for a contrite spirit is a sacrifice to God." But the executioners pressed on and, adding the coals, placed them under the grill. The blessed Lawrence said, "Learn, wretched Valerian, how great is the might of my Lord! For thy coals bring me refreshment, but to thee eternal torment." For he knows that I deny not his holy name when accused. I confess Christ when asked. I gave thanks while being roasted, and all those present began to marvel, since Dacius had commanded him to be roasted alive. But with a most calmly countenance, he said, "I give thee thanks, Lord Jesus Christ, who hast designed to strengthen me." And lifted up his eyes to Valerian, he said, "Behold, wretched man, thou hast roasted one side." Turn me over and eat. Then, giving thanks to the Lord, he said, "I give thee thanks, Lord Jesus Christ, because I have merited to enter thy gates." And saying this, he gave up the ghost. He died August tenth, two fifty-eight. Saint Lawrence, pray for us.
Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from John chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. John 12 is a, a passage that I have often given talks on when I've traveled and spoken at parishes and events, things like that. I find it very powerful, John chapter 12, and especially this this particular passage of John 12 because of the Eucharistic typology that goes on here, the sort of the hint of what's to come in the Holy Eucharist. Haydock's commentary says, the comparison is this, that as the seed must be changed and corrupted in the ground before it fructify, so the world would not be converted but by Christ's death. Interesting, isn't it? Imagine if the Lord didn't die. Imagine if Our Lady were somehow to uh, convince him to come down from the cross, which she didn't. She stood silent, watching her own son in agony and torment and dying. She knew that he had to die so that we would have a chance to go to heaven forever, praise be to God. St. Augustine says, We must minister to Jesus by seeking not our own things, but the things of Christ. That is, we must follow him. We must walk in his footsteps. We must perform the corporal works of mercy and every other good work for his sake till we come to put in practice the most perfect act of charity, the laying down of our lives for our brethren. Then we will crown, then he will crown us with this greatest of rewards, the happiness of reigning with him. And where I am, there shall my minister be. Close quote, St. Augustine. St. Chrysostom says, He loveth his life in this world who indulges its inordinate desires. He hateth it who resisteth them. It is not who doth not yield to, but who hateth. For in other words, if you love this world and all that it has to offer you, if you are so connected to your disordered passions more than your desire, your sure willpower to achieve heaven, then you are not following in the footsteps of Christ and you are not where the Lord is. That's something to meditate upon today. And what is the fruit of a grain of wheat? Why the loaf, the Holy Eucharist, the life for our souls. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network, and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that uh, the Catholic truth and get back on track. So really thank you for that. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Some Protestants like to charge the Catholic Church with changing the Ten Commandments because it omits the prohibition of making graven images found in Exodus 20. But is this true? No. And here's the reason why. Like Augustine, the Catholic Church sees the prohibition of making graven images as merely an extension of the First Commandment. 
you shall have no other gods before me. In light of the context, it seems that Augustine was right. For immediately after God prohibits the making of graven images, he says in verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. The prohibition is against idolatry, not the making of images in an absolute sense. So the Catholic Church didn't change the Ten Commandments. And it's not guilty of idolatry in having statues in its places of worship. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Uh, coming up at 35 past the hour, Nathan Wigfield, the, is the director at the St. Thomas More House of Prayer in Pennsylvania, uh, has a special devotion to the Liturgy of the Hours, and their retreats there are sort of focused around the Liturgy of the Hours, helping lay folk better understand what it is, why they pray it, why you should consider it, and how to pray it, and then incorporate that into a retreat experience. We're going to talk to Nathan Wigfield about the Liturgy of the Hours coming up at 35 past the hour. You know, uh, David O'Grady is going to be on at the top of the next hour. We're going to talk about the correlation between the growing barbarism in the world and our call to evangelize the world. And if we're not evangelizing the world, is because the, is that be, so? The world's getting worse because we're not doing our jobs. Are we to blame for the troubles in the world today? Maybe we have a lot of blame and culpability there. We're going to have that conversation with David O'Gray coming up at the top of the next hour. If you can join us, and by the way, you can always just join us on our uh, website. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. I want to share with you, though, uh, a couple of stories that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. I just saw this video. Now, Adrian, I'm sharing my desktop here. Um, I saw this video. There's the disturbing videos that are that are going around the internet, and I don't encourage you to seek these videos out, but I want to describe them to you because I think it's a, an important point to make. Videos of people falling over and suddenly dying, like just suddenly, out of nowhere. There are a lot of them. There are more now than there have been in the past, and I, forget about what causes it. I mean, there are speculations. There's there's some ideas about what's connecting the dots here about these people doing this and ha this happening to them. Don't number get us canceled. Number one, I'm not going to do it, <laughs> but we've got enough of that trouble. But number one, um, pray for the repose of people who die suddenly in the world today. Do you do, you do that? Do you include them in your prayers, especially uh, at night? We pray uh, the rosary as a family every night. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't sometimes I forget to include them in our prayers, people who face eternal judgment in an instance of time without the gift of being repentant before that moment comes. And that's the other point, right? Are you ready? Or am I ready? Because we don't know. We could be the next person to unfortunately have such an incident where we would just fall over and um, that would be it. The next thing we would know is we'd be facing our eternal judgment, which we convict ourselves, right? We know. And um, are we ready for that? You know, I said in this post when I shared it on my Twitter feed, we don't know the day or the hour. And Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the, fa the Father but through him. And are we ready for that? Are we prepared to face him 
in eternity. We must live as though we should be ready. So I want you to keep that in mind today. And pray for the repose of this uh, Saudi ambassador who died suddenly, falling over. One of countless people we're seeing in the world do exactly the same thing. Falling over just in an instant, no warning, and that's it. Lights out. So it is a dire situation for those who do not die in a state of grace. So let's keep them in our prayers today. Uh, Then, of course, there was this story out of Ireland. The headline out of the Catholic News Agency says, Pro-lifers react with dismay to news that Irish government plans to fine for praying near abortion clinic. St. Patrick, pray for us. The article goes, Pro-life campaigners and advocates for religious freedom in Ireland have expressed dismay following the news that Irish government intends to introduce fines and prison sentences for people who pray, hold signs, and try to persuade women not to have abortions while they are within the vicinity of an abortion clinic. Whew. How far has Ireland fallen that it is trying to pass laws that uh, say you can't even pray near an abortion clinic. The proposed legislation would mean that individuals would not be allowed to express pro-life views within 100 meters of an abortion clinic. I, what's the conversion rate on that, Rudy? I mean, you're from California. You guys go by meters uh, and kilometers. Let's see, 100 meters, I think. The, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend. Let me look Celsius it up. is 100 meters. Like yeah, to feet. One hundred. What's what's what? Yeah, what's the conversion? That's three hundred and twenty-eight feet. Three hundred and twenty. Three hundred and twenty-eight feet. Three hundred and twenty-eight. Three hundred and twenty-eight feet. Now see. I'm trying to wrap my mind around like, how far away. How, how many, many yards is that? Yeah, like to convert that to yards. <laughs> convert that to football fields. Well, yeah, how many football fields? That, that's probably oh, right. what one football field. One point one, probably. Yeah, maybe like it's it's around one football field. So remember three twenty-eight. Three twenty-eight. I got it. It's like pff, math. Remember oh, math in school? It was good times, man. Math. All right, so three hundred and nine yards. What? So just about a football field. Yep. Yeah. Three. It's about one ten, right? Three hundred and sixty is a football is field the length of one hundred, including the end zones. Uh, end zone to end zone. Okay. So it's about a football field away. You could yeah. be a football field. Hey, you lady, I'm praying for you. Like you'd have to scream it out pretty good just to like get their attention, like in order to be not arrested, put in prison. Hail Mary, pass. <laughs> I see where you're going with that. All right. So the proposed legislation would mean that individuals would not be allowed to express pro-life views within a football field-ish of abortion clinics, while so while also prohibiting silent prayer. Good grief! You can't even pray silently. Uh, The holding of placards or any peaceful other uh, uh, offers of alternatives to abortions. Like, absolutely not. We will not have the interruption of the worship of Moloch. Moloch will not allow for it. This is Ireland we're talking about. Um, Ireland, have you no shame? I mean, like, have you no... Have you no conscience anymore? This is, this is absolutely absurd. Pro-life act- activists have reacted with highlighting that there is no evidence that pro-life vigils near abortion clinics in Ireland are dangerous or unlawful. In an August 4th statement, uh, Megan, whose last name I won't even begin to obliterate, uh, of the Life Institute said, Garda Commissioner Drew Harris wrote to the Minister for Health to clearly state that there was no evidence to suggest that pro-life protests of any centers were abusive or threatening. He confirmed that the vigils were, in fact, peaceful and lawful. 
Of course, uh, Mr. Stephen Donnelly knows this, and he is choosing to ignore the advice of Guardia to do the bidding of campaign groups to punch down at pro-life activists who he knows are breaking no laws, close quote, she said. In fact, the Garda commissioner also stated that if any laws were to be broken, existing laws would be sufficient to deal with that. The Irish government's position differs to that of the UK, governments which maintain that there are sufficient laws already in place to protect women seeking an abortion from harassment and intimidation. Following the unveiling of the Irish government's proposal, David Quinn, director of the Iona Institute, a Christian advocacy group, questioned the constitutionality of the government's controversial plans. He told Catholic News Agency on August 9th, assuming the laws goes through, assuming the law goes through, it will be one of the most restrictive in the whole of Europe because other countries have more respect for the right to protest and consider laws like this to be disproportionate. We already have laws in Ireland against intimidation and harassment, and our Garda commissioner has said, had said so in the context of calls for these buffer zones. But the government is pressing on anyway, egged on by most opposition parties and pro-abortion lobby groups. Ireland has gone from being an extremely pro-life country to the opposite end of the spectrum in just a few short years, banning even pro-life prayer vigils within 100 meters or a football field length that conduct or facilitate abortion shows how badly we have changed. If the law is as restrictive as promised, it may actually be unconstitutional. The president has the power to refer to the Supreme Court when it is ready for him to sign in the months to come and he ought to do so. Anyway, so how does Ireland get to this point? That's my question. How do you get to being the country that St. Patrick gave the rest of his life to, to converting? I mean, literally put his life on the line. Um, you've heard St. Patrick's story many, many times. And guess what? Here's a bonus for you. If you have access to Formed, formed.org from the Augusta Institute, highly recommend it. My family loves it. Uh, there is an audio drama there by Neil Patrick Harris playing St. Patrick. Now, he played one of the dwarves in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Or he wasn't in The Hobbit. He was in Lord of the Rings. And uh, he has got that iconic British voice. Well, he plays St. Patrick in this, in this audio drama, which is masterfully produced. It is really good. So if you've not been too familiar with the story, I encourage you, get on to Formed. Listen to the audio drama and be amazed and entertain all at the same time. But he was kidnapped as a young man from his home in, in Britannia. His parents being of the Roman uh, lineage. His uncle, I think, was a Catholic priest. And he was made to be a slave in Ireland. And that led to his sort of total conversion, giving his life over to God on a mountain. Without access to the sacraments, he had nothing but prayer and time with God. And he gave his heart to Christ and... And when he came back, when he was able to be freed, because he was, he was miraculously saved from slavery, he ended up becoming a priest, and he gave his life to the mission of Ireland and became their bishop. And he would face the Druids. He would face certain death and assassination attempts and, and all the rest. And he never once failed to persevere through it all, because his heart was for Ireland. And his work, his sacrifice, being, as the gospel would say today, where, my, where I am, my servant shall be, 
St. Patrick was with the Lord in sacrifice, in suffering, and in a heart for the salvation of grave sinners. And he saved Ireland. And those that were saved would go on to become missionaries and monks in mainland Europe after the fall of the Western Roman Empire and therefore saved Christianity in Europe which led to the conversion of Clovis the king, which led to, uh, I mean, every country uh, becoming converted away from barbarism, paganism, uh, Arianism, and more. I mean, the effects of St. Patrick impact you today because those same Irish missionaries so many years later have come to America when a time where there were not many American priests Irish missionaries came here, and this very diocese owes its beginning to the French and to the Irish missionaries who came here. The French would not have the faith it was if it were not for the work of St. Patrick, in my opinion. So it amazes me to see a country like Ireland fall so far so fast. What causes that, I wonder? How is it possible that Ireland would totally abandon its faith on the, on the whole, of course there are faithful there. Of course there are. But the numbers, the statistics, the, the headlines paint a completely different picture. And I go back to what I was saying a minute ago at the beginning of this section when I said David O'Gray is coming up at the top of the next hour. The correlation between the, the barbarism that is on the rise in this world today and yours and mine, our obligation to evangelize this world... If we act like someone else is going to do it, then we can expect to see more countries like Ireland fall so very far. Let us pray for the reversion of Ireland and the Irish people. St. Patrick, pray for us. We'll be right back. A lot more to come. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for the world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the church criticized for defending celibacy? What about for defending marriage? Have you ever heard it accused of showing contempt for women, but also sneered at because only women go there? Have you ever heard it attacked for asceticism, but also for extravagance? How about for being dull? How about for being too garish? How about for being too worldly or too unworldly or insisting that people confess their sins or showing too much mercy to sinners? Notice any contradiction among the critics? G.K. Chesterton says, here's a broad and simple test. If you hear a thing being accused of being too tall and too short, too red and too green, too bad in one way, and too bad also in the opposite way, then you may be sure that it is very good. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. The Blaze Report's Republican Representative Scott Perry says the FBI seized his phone on Tuesday, and he also says these kinds of Banana Republic tactics should concern every citizen. 
This morning, while traveling with my family, three FBI agents visited me and seized my cell phone. They made no attempt to contact my lawyer, who would have made arrangements for them to have my phone if that was their wish. I'm outraged, though not surprised, that the FBI, under the direction of Merrick Garland's Department of Justice, would seize the phone of a sitting member of Congress, Perry said in a statement, continuing, My phone contains info about my legislative and political activities and personal private discussions with my wife, family, constituents, and friends. None of this is the government's business, he said. The Epic Times reports FBI agents were looking for classified records and took boxes of documents from the Trump resort. The FBI agents who raided former President Donald Trump's Florida resort were looking for certain records, according to a lawyer for Trump who was on the scene while agents were at the resort. She says, quote, We had been very cooperative with them before, and it's unclear to me why they went to such drastic measures to do this, but they did. And as far as the probable cause goes, they wouldn't give that to us, she added. In mid-January, the National Archives and Records Administration arranged for the transport of 15 boxes that the archives said contained presidential records. Under the Presidential Records Act, all of the records should have been transferred in January 2021 as Trump left the office, the institution said in a statement at the time. And the Daily Wire reports Christian school keeps lunch funding despite rejecting Biden administration's Title IX changes. A Christian school in Florida will continue to receive federal lunch funding despite rejecting the Biden administration's expansion of Title IX to include sexual orientation and gender identity. According to court documents, the case threatened to end free meals for 56 low-income low students attending the school. The expanded Title IX regulations sought to withhold funding from schools for failing to comply with new requirements related to the use of school restrooms, hiring, and preferred pronoun usage. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Made a big Freudian slip a minute ago. Did I? What did I say? No, I did. Oh, you did. Huge. What'd you say? It was. It was like. I missed oh, it. Man, it was. A, it was a Biden moment for lack of a, for lack of a better term. <laughs> uh, I said the actor in the audio drama was in the Hobbit or was in the Lord of the Rings. Uh -huh. I said it was Neil Patrick Harris. Oh. John Reese Davis is his actual name. Oh. Neil Patrick Harris is not a good option. Just got it. Just putting that out there. Huh. At any rate, praise be to God. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thank you, Clarissa, for correcting me on that. Uh, joining us right now via Zoom chat is uh, Nathan Wickfield, director of St. Thomas More House of Prayer in Pennsylvania. Good morning to you, Mr. Wickfield. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? I am alive, and that counts. Praise be to God. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, let's talk about the uh, St. Thomas More House of Prayer and Liturgy of the Hours. Um, d first of all, let's talk about Liturgy of the Hours. W you seem to have a real affinity for Liturgy of the Hours, uh, but you weren't raised Catholic as far as I know. So how did that happen? Right, yeah. So, uh, you know, growing up, I you know, grew up in a strong Christian household, really encouraged to pray daily, read my Bible uh, you know, my my parents uh, were our youth leaders uh, in our in our church, and they would incentivize kind of uh, you know doing our daily devotions by taking us out after after a month's time. Uh, for those who had uh, done their devotions uh, every day of the month, uh, we'd be able to go out for for brunch after church. And uh, so you know, I say that just to say you know, prayer was very much part of my my upbringing. Um, but there was always you know always had the sense in which, you know, you're always uncomfortable to pray. You always, you know, every time you get together in a group, you know, you always be hoping that you weren't asked to open up in prayer. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it, you know, it's, 
you know, I ended up, uh, you know, long story short, I ended up after, uh, after college, I went to seminary. I really felt like maybe the Lord was calling me into some sort of vocational ministry. And, um, you know, through my seminary years, I came to the point where I realized, like, my prayer life was uh, non-existent. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of my work was, uh, or most of my, the way that I, I understood and was in relationship with God was just through studying, through reading books. And I came to a point of realizing, like, wow, I, I feel like I know uh, so, uh, a, a bit about God, uh, but I don't know God. And um, at the time, I was just, I was really grasping for ways to improve my prayer life. And one of the things that I, and this was before I was Catholic, one of the things I came across was the Catholic Liturgy of the Hours through an online uh, online app. And I started to pray this uh, most most days of the week, and uh, starting out with morning prayer, and then, you know, incorporating evening prayer. I then discovered, you know, Office of Readings, and, mm-hmm. you know, at the time I was being introduced to the Church Fathers, so this kind of coincided with uh, the Church's Liturgy of the Hours, especially Office of Readings, which features, you know, readings from the Fathers every day. And um, and so this was really starting to, to help me gain a greater confidence in my prayer life. And so, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, one of the ways that I personally came to the Liturgy of the Hours and, and discovered it. Uh, and, uh, you know, ever since, I mean, it has been absolutely essential for me to just continue to... Uh, you know, stay connected with the Lord, and mm-hmm. also to be able to uh, to follow the church's uh, liturgical calendar to really kind of dive deeper into the mysteries of Christ Himself. You know, as we celebrate in the church's liturgy. Can you give me a like sort of a, a more concise definition? What is the liturgy of the hours for those that may be listening and don't know? Yeah, so the liturgy of the hours is uh, technically, or I guess officially, the public and communal prayer of the Catholic Church. A lot of folks don't under, don't realize this, but um, the, you know the liturgy of the hours, together with the sacrifice of the mass, forms the whole of the sacred liturgy of the Catholic Church. And so, you know, you have um, you know French uh, Benedictine uh, Dom uh, Prosper Garanger. You know, he he once said back in the 1800s, said, you know, the Church could no more dispense from the divine office or the liturgy of the hours than she could from the mass. And so, it's absolutely essential part of the of the Church's liturgy. And uh, it essentially is, you know, praying the Psalms. Uh, so the church's prayer book has always been the Psalms from the very beginning. And that goes back even before Christ, as we know, you know, for the, um, you know, in, uh, in Israel, you know, Jesus grew up, you know, going to temple synagogue where the, you know, the Psalms were chanted with songs, Psalms were sung. And uh, so this was the very prayer book of Christ, even, you know, as he grew up. And, uh, and so, you know, the church has taken that on, and of course, that has now been recentered in Christ. You know, so we see the Psalms being fulfilled uh, in Him, in His person, in His work, in His ministry. And so, um, so yeah, this is the prayer of, of the official prayer of the church. But it's also even more important than that. It, the church understands that this is first and foremost the prayer of Christ Himself that He has shared with us. Blessed Columba Marmion says that uh, the, the liturgy of the hours, the divine office, is the prayer of Christ passing through the lips of his church. Mm. It's, uh, it's like the, the Lord through the church has made sacred the day, right? The whole day. Absolutely. Not, so in other words, every moment 
of our life, of our day, there's not like a, some throwaway. There's not a throwaway moment in life. The, the, these moments are opportunities to be united closer to the Lord, closer to the church, and to, uh, to do the work of the, of the sacred, giving God what is, what is due to him. I think it's fantastic and fascinating, but at the same time, in my own history of trying to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, I feel like there's a barrier to entry. I mean, the apps make it easier, that's true, but there's still a barrier to entry. It's like you you got to get books. you got to know how to navigate these books. Like, what page am I supposed to? Oh, what's the barometric pin, uh, pressure right now? All right, so I'm on page 175. Like, I, I, it gets confusing fast. How do you sort all of that out? Yeah, so it's it's definitely a challenge. It definitely takes time. Uh, like any good work, though, it's, uh, you know, it's really worth the time and the labor that you put into it. And so... You know, I think, uh, you know, one of the things, a a big part of our mission or primary part of our mission is helping people learn how to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. So when people come to our retreat center, you know, we're a Catholic retreat center. Our mission is to pray and promote the Liturgy of the Hours, but we're hosting guests all all of the time, individuals and groups, and we pray the seven canonical hours, starting with office of readings early in the morning, all the way through to night prayer at night. And, uh, and so guests can join in the Liturgy of the Hours with us. And we always, you know, uh, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't consider ourselves professionals. We, you know, we're in the chapel. Thanks be to God, we have the Blessed Sacrament. We're able to pray before our Lord. Uh, but we announce the page numbers. We tell people, you know, there's times when you have to flip pages and, you know, <laughs> kind of go back and forth. And, you know, we walk with people how to set your ribbons, all of those kinds of things. Um, but we also, we have Liturgy of the Hours retreats where in person, you know, people come for an overnight retreat where we, I give a, talk on the history of the theology, and then give a practical guide to praying the Liturgy of the Hours. Uh, on our website, we have uh, daily page numbers for morning and evening prayer for every part of the prayer, uh, so that that can be a help to you. We have uh, free PDF guides to help people uh, navigate the books and learn how to pray. So it does take an education, and it does take uh, a kind of, you know, uh, find, looking up and finding resources to help you get started. Um, for me, I can say, uh, you know, it took me years before I really f- felt like I was fluent in praying the Liturgy of the Hours, and I kind of knew the prayer books front and back. Um, so it does take time, but I think when you start from the place of understanding what is the Liturgy of the Hours, it gives a, you know, it's a compelling case for, you know, why would I want to give myself to this labor of trying to figure out how to pray and enter more deeply into the prayer of the Church? Yeah, my uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is uh, discerning a religious vocation. She's been uh, visiting some community. Uh, she's visited one community. She's about to visit another one, and they have a particular affinity for the liturgy of the hours. And they run a farm and all of that. But you know, the liturgy of the hours sets the course of the day, and they pray every single hour. It's amazing. Praise be to God. So we're gonna put a pause real quick. And Mr. Nathan Wickfield is our guest director of St. Thomas More House of Prayer in Pennsylvania. Talking about the Liturgy of the Hours, I want to throw a controversial question at him after the break. Uh, We'll see what he says. It's all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Since you may not agree that the New Testament came to us through the oral tradition of the apostles, how do you believe it did come to us? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a language aid. In Latin, the word tradition is a verb, not a noun. It's the act of handing over. Handing over what? Handing over the faith. You see, capital T tradition continues to answer the questions the Bible doesn't explicitly answer. For example, you've noticed that contraception or doctor-assisted 
assisted suicide and many other crucial human topics are not laid out in the Bible. Secondly, analogous to baseball, the totality of baseball has been handed on to each generation. This is very different than just the small T tradition of saying not flipping the bat after hitting a home run. And thirdly, in case you're trying to rid church traditions to be non-traditional, just know that capital T tradition is what got you to Jesus. Drop kicking small religious traditions to be considered non-traditional is like the dog chasing his tail. His task is never fruitless and thoroughly silly. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Mr. Nathan Wickfield is our guest. He's the director at St. Thomas More House of Prayer in in Pennsylvania. And uh, by the way, their website is liturgyofthehours.org. You can find more information there at liturgyofthehours.org. Welcome back to the program, Mr. Wickfield. I want to ask you a very controversial, I mean like huge dust up on the interwebs amongst uh, the tribes of Catholicism uh, on this question. It, you know, um, like I, I, I used the app to pray the Liturgy of the Hours when I was trying to pray. I, have, I haven't, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, one thing I found frustrating was I'd have two different apps and the translations wouldn't be the same. And there'd be differences. And uh, this is something I think is a problem. I, I, apparently, there's issues with the translation on the Liturgy of the Hours, and there's been an expectant correction to this that's not yet come, and no one knows when it's going to come. Do you know anything about that? I do know a bit about it. I, I know that the work is in progress uh, for a new and updated translation, uh, similar to what we experienced in the Mass some years ago. Uh, where uh, the you know the psalms are going to be updated in a new uh, new translation. We're also going to have uh, you know the re- the readings, uh, the responsories, the antiphons. Uh, all of these are going to be be updated. One exciting part is uh, the word is is that they're going to be including in uh, the official set of the liturgy of the hours a more traditional uh, Roman uh, hymnal. Uh, so uh, incorporating the more traditional chants uh, and, and hymns for the divine office uh, that have been with us for the, for the ages. Uh, so, you know, those are all exciting things. Um, you know, in terms of where that, that work is, I've heard a number of different things. But I think right now as it stands, you know, we're looking at the earliest time to get kind of a final, uh, final edition uh, and in the hands of the faithful it, we're probably looking, you know, in another uh, two to three years. Mr. Wickfield, thank you for uh, agreeing to come on. I have a question about the uh, Liturgy of the Hours. You know, Holy Mother of the Church has uh, so many different devotions, you know. Uh, it, I think it would be impossible to go through all of them and, and have time for all of them. I'm just wondering, you know, it seems to me like the Liturgy of the Hours is uh, specifically for priests, and uh, I'm just wondering... What 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 case would you make for the laity to pray these particular prayers? Yeah, so I would say you know what you know the Second Vatican Council had a real desire to 
restore an age-old practice going back to the early church where the laity would have a greater participation in the hours. Um, so when we look at the documents from the early church, we look at the canons of Hippolytus, apostolic tradition, uh, writings like this, you get a picture of the church at prayer, the full, the fullness of the church at prayer, the, the priests and the deacons, even the bishops, um, you know, with the laity gathering, uh, especially for key hours of morning and evening prayer, uh, but especially a, a long-standing tradition was to gather for the lamp lighting, you know, for, uh, for Compline or night prayer. And so, uh, you know, in the Second Vatican Council, it comes to the point where uh, you're right, the, the, the prayer had become strictly a prayer of priests and religious. And this has a long history, but essentially it goes back to missionary orders. You know, this, this was an, uh, for, for ages, I mean, hundreds of years, the hours were prayed in the church. You know, canons of priests would gather in their choir stalls, you know, uh, eight times a day. Uh, and the bells would ring and people would be, the laity would be able to come and to be able to partake of the hours and um, even if they didn't know the Latin text, they would be able to receive uh, the prayers, be able to join in the prayers and be able to enjoy the um, and to take in the beauty of the church's uh, chants and official, you know, liturgical prayer. And so uh, missionary orders, you know, especially Jesuits, Franciscans, you know, it get, got to the point, you know, they were going off to far off lands and uh, they couldn't take these big books. Remember, this is before the printing press. So. Uh, they couldn't take these big liturgical liturgical books with them, so they start. They asked Rome to permit them a, a private, you know, a personal breviary uh, to be able to take with them to keep on their person. Well, long story short, mm. you know, priests, you know, you know, hey, we're we're going in and out. We're go- going to make visitations. We're doing a lot of things. We're we're active in ministry. You know, we kind of we need a, a personal breviary as well. We could use a personal breviary as well, and so. That was sanctioned by the church. The popes, uh, um, you know, is, issued, uh, you know, official, I think it was Pius V that uh, kind of came with the first, like, great reform of the breviary, uh, which uh, allowed for priests to have it on their person and to be able to pray individually. Um, but, you know, again, going back to Dom Prosper Geringer, a Benedictine monk in the um, 19th century, you know, he lamented the fact that, you know, the churches were empty. Uh, you know, in terms of the uh, daily prayer of the church, uh, that nobody was frequent, frequenting the office, nobody was uh, joining in the prayers of the church. And, you know, he really sought through his uh, monumental work, the liturgical year, to be able to equip the laity once again to understand more deeply the prayer of the church, not just the Mass, but also the office. Um, and so this kind of, you know, got things started in that direction to where the Second Vatican Council came in, then Council Father said, we really want the laity to have a fuller participation because this is the prayer of the whole people of God, and that's been true from the very beginning. Um, and so, you know, when it says in the general instructions on the Liturgy of the Hours that when the priests are gathered with the faithful and they're praying the prayer in the approved form, this truly is the prayer of Christ joined with his church. Um, this, is the, this is the voice of the bridegroom. Uh, a prayer offered to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, uh, Christ and his bride together offering this prayer uh, for the glory of God and the salvation of the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's really part, of, that's the heart of our mission, is to carry on that work, 
of helping to make this prayer the, the prayer of the whole people of God. And why not the prayer of the little office of Our Lady? Because, you know, this little office of Our Lady has been around since the or maybe the 8th century, maybe earlier than that. And it was prayed by all priests for up until Pius V. Uh, they had, it was required by all priests to also pray the little office of Our Lady. And most uh, tertiaries for religious communities, Dominicans, Franciscans, uh, the, and Benedictines, and so on and so forth, pray the little office. Uh, they have various versions for different communities. Why the, why the Liturgy of the Hours versus the little office of Our Lady? Sure. So I, w- I would just say um, that the the little office, also the traditional office. I mean, I, I don't know where things stand now in terms of you know you know all the changes taking place. I mean, uh, but nonetheless, in the approved form, uh, the liter- and there are many approved forms, and there are different uh, there are different rites. Uh, so uh, the liturgy of the hours does take varied forms, and um, and all of those are accepted. And all of the you know when we read the church's teaching on the office and what is true about the office, being the prayer of Christ that He has shared with the church, that is certainly true. Whenever we take up these approved forms, and we do so, um, you know, as uh, treating it as sacred liturgy as it is. Um, nonetheless, I would say what drives our mission uh, specifically to introduce and to propagate the Reformed bravery and the Liturgy of the Hours is just that it's, it's most widely uh, it's most widely used, uh, gl- you know, globally, internationally, and um, it's also the most uh, we find it to be the most accessible for the laity, for the laity in particular. Um, so um, that's one of the reasons why we uh, really really push that. Again, we don't really have an agenda in terms of like this is better than others or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just that this is most widely used, and um, I do think even with the how tricky it can be to navigate the books, um, it is the most accessible uh, for the laity to be able to pray. You know, the other thing is uh, learning the to chant the divine or the liturgy, of the hours. I don't know. Do y'all say it or do y'all chant it there? I because whenever I was actually with the. Dominican friars for a brief period of time and with the friars they chant the entire office for the novitiate I know most seminaries they don't chant it at all or they'll at, they may not even do it in community at all they will have them just read it privately or if they do it together they will just uh, read it privately together or read it out loud um, or they might sing one of the hymns or chant some of the parts but it's very rare to see the Liturgy of the Hours chanted as a whole in most seminaries so do y'all teach the teach laity how to chant the office or to say the office or a combination or what is it that y'all do there so we haven't gotten to the point where we teach uh uh, the chants of the office um there are some great resources out there that can help with with that and actually you know as far as the church's teaching goes the the ideal for you know form of praying the office is to chant it um it's kind of you know the two go hand in hand the the chants of the church really kind of emerged, you know, in the praying office and uh, obviously with the mass as well. But, um, you know, so we, we haven't taught it the way that we do it here. We're, a, we're in a small, relatively small area, but we have a great community of Catholic families and lots of kids uh, in our, you know, little, uh, little neighborhood here. And, uh, and so, you know, we have uh, families, we have little kids, we have older kids, we have uh, you know, moms and dads, grandparents, all joining in, and then added to that, we have guests who most most of whom have no experience praying the liturgy of the hours, 
So what we do is, uh, to make it a little bit more accessible, is uh, we do just read and recite the Liturgy of the Hours uh, for the most part, but we do chant like the invitatory, we chant the uh, the proper canticles, the you know uh, the Benedictus for morning prayer, the Magnificat at evening prayer, uh, as well as the Nunc Dimittis at, uh, at at night prayer. Um, so we do introduce the chants, uh, and then we also we host special events on feast days, solemn vespers, and mass. We have a priest come out and celebrate solemn vespers with us, and and we do a we do a simple chant. It's basically a you know, a, a modification of tone eight, and uh, we just use that for all the antiphons and the psalms, and and so we kind of mix it up a little bit. But primarily, when we pray the hours uh, in the chapel on a day-to-day basis, we're reciting most of it uh, with bringing in a um, bringing in some chant for the for the canticles. We're down to just about thirty seconds left. Uh, can I just ask you real quick? If do you have a preference on liturgy hours on a mobile app? Do you have a pr- preference for the mobile app? Yeah, I do. I, I like divineoffice.org. Uh, I just I like the format. Um, it's it's now free. It used to be ten bucks. Uh, now it's now it's available to anybody uh, as far as as far as I know um, for free on your uh, you know where where you get your apps. Uh, so uh, yeah, divineoffice.org. Um, I would say uh, that you know I'll just give a plug on you know I know the books are hard. I said this at the beginning, but. You know, and, and praying the praying the office online is is certainly better than nothing. Uh, but man, there's really something about holding a liturgical book in your hand and learning mm-hmm. the ribbons and learning to navigate it. It kind of yeah. you know, we yeah. we don't we don't we use our cell phones for lots of different things, but the prayer books we use strictly for praying the prayer of the church. So. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you uh, very much, Mr. Nathan Wigfield, for joining us today. We're very grateful. Check out the St. Thomas More House of Prayer. Uh, Their website is liturgyofthehours.org. God bless you, Mr. Wickfield. Have a great day. Hey, thanks so much for having me. God bless. All right, coming up top of the next hour, David L. Gray is going to be our guest. The connection between evangelization and barbarism. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. 
purse? It's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition and as such is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Father Preston Cantella from Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Sweeney and St. John the Apostle in West Columbia. You're listening to the AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the show. We're going to have a, a great conversation with David O'Gray here in just a moment. I will, do you do you pray the liturgy of the hours, dear listener? I wonder. You can always uh, let us know and comment directly on one of our live video feeds. The second half of this hour is what we call the after show, where we conversate with you directly, and you can you can let us know what you think. Do you pray the the liturgy of the hours? If you do, is it with an app? Is it with the book? I mean, do you, do you have all the ribbons down? Do you know what page you're supposed to be on? Do you have to go out? Every single year and buy the supplemental thing for that year. <laughs> Do you have your 18 years of higher learning in order to be able to know how to swift that stuff? I don't know. Hmm. It's, uh, it's intimidating, I, w- I say. Yeah, a little bit. It's very but intimidating. I would say it's worth it. It took me a month, mm-hmm. me like poking the brother next to me. I mean, like, <laughs> what, what page are we on? <laughs> I don't know where we're at. <laughs> and like some days I just wouldn't sing in the office because I literally had no idea where we were. And I like I'm like And the guy next to you was lost too. He's like Dude, And then I Father Superior beat you with a wooden rod or something? Right, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. What's the liturgical <laughs> what's the liturgical name for that? For the wooden rod? Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh the 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 good app a good app that's like mm-hmm. really good for beginners mm-hmm. is iBrevery. It's yep. if you wanted to I learn the liturgy of the hours, it's mm-hmm. very simple, straightforward, mm-hmm. easy to use. Uh, but I, I like the iMass app. The iMass app is good is good because you go over there and it has a bunch of different ones. So mm-hmm. you can have, if you wanted to try out the 62 missile, you could. Mm-hmm. You wanted to try, if you wanted to go all the way back and see what the missile was in 1500s, you could do that too. That's neat. If you wanted to do the Carmelite, the Benedictine, the, even the Dominican mm-hmm. uh, one, it's all on the app. So it's really cool. So I like that one. I use the That's Universalis app. It's Universalis great. is good too because it sings it to you, doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. Um, but again, I, what I found just difficult in using the app was comparing them to the other apps. And I'm like, this doesn't match. Like, why doesn't this match? Why doesn't it look the same? It's to me, it was very confusing. Well, but. for the if you're doing the the liturgy, the hours, mm-hmm. the English translation should be the same 
unless you're doing it with a different community, a different community's version. Yeah. Uh, the Divine Office, mm-hmm. it's going to be different because it's in Latin, and then there's just different English translations depending yeah. on who did the translation. Well, at any rate, dear listener, if you want to let us know what you think of the Liturgy of the Hours, if you've prayed it, if you've had trouble like I have in the past, well, we want to conversate directly with you in the after show. That's the second half of this hour. So stick around. You can go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to find all the links to all the live video feeds. We're on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Odyssey, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, and we would love to directly conversate with you. That's the after show at the, coming up at the second half of the hour. Uh, there's a real quick... Uh, uh, I want to point this out just before we go to David O. Gray. Erasmussen found that nearly all Americans, 89%, have been paying more money since President Joe Biden has taken office. 61% believe they would still be paying more in a year from now. And it was equal, essentially, among Republicans and Democrats. But guess who was the hardest hit in this inflation? Can you guess? Mm, Any guesses? Middle class. Middle class. Um, lower, lower some class. would say probably, but no, actually, uh, families, uh, families with children are being forced to change what they eat because they can't afford what they used to eat. Uh, in fact, uh, by two to one margin, inflation is changing eating habits. According to the latest Rasmussen report survey, it found that 63% are changing while 31% are not hit hardest for families with children, 72% changing their habits. Uh, to accommodate their higher prices for basic basic foods such as eggs, milk, butter, bacon, 10 pounds of chocolate per week, and, uh, and other <laughs> essential items for the, the dietary uh, needs. The M&M's, peanut yeah. M&M's by mm-hmm. the pound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had to get now, I only eat meat anymore, so I'm on this carnivore insanity thing. Some but, would uh, consider peanuts to be meat. Uh, some would consider chocolate-covered peanuts... Uh, baked inside of a steak right. to be totally carnivore. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Some would say. Some would say. Who are these some? I'd like to meet them. <laughs> anyway, moving on. David O'Grey joins us right now by a Zoom chat. Praise be to God. David, have you changed your eating habits? I mean, you're thin as a wafer, sir. You need to put on some weight <laughs> anyway. So uh, what have you been eating lately? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't really changed my eating habits, but I, I did notice that when I go to places like the Walmart and, and other places like that, that there is a... There's not ramen noodles on the shelf anymore. So it seems like everyone's going back to the ramen, you know. <laughs> you remember the college days? Good old yeah. days. Eating nothing but. You know, I'll, I'll never forget the first time living on my own, going into a grocery store and having to buy cereal. And I thought, man, this is expensive. Like, what? Yeah. Like, I, it never. I got, right, now, what? Try going now. Yeah, my, my mom was like, it's because you never had to buy it. <laughs> you ate it, exactly. but you never bought it. Now that you're buying it, everything is expensive. And that's true. Yeah. Praise be to God. Uh, let's talk about uh, the barbarism in the world today. Um, I don't know if it's the algorithm or, and I've said this a bunch of times before, or there's an actual uptick, but I constantly see these videos online of just these random acts of insanity, violence, just. People assaulting strangers for no real reason, just yeah. because, right? And, uh, you know, you see them, of course, in places like New York and the Bronx, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but just the other day, we saw uh, a lady driving a Mercedes through a stoplight at almost 100 miles an hour. Six people died. And now, yeah. her, now she's facing life in prison as a result to that. Um, no, who knows why she did it? She, you know, just 100 miles an hour in the streets of L.A. And what would bothered me most about that video, I mean, fiery ball flame, horrible accident, 
and the light turns green and people just keep driving. <laughs> they just keep, yeah. keep going. I mean, these are just some examples, but I see like there's a lot of increase in barbarism in the world. There was an article on Crisis Magazine by Regis Martin that says facing the rising barbarism. But I want to talk to you about is there a correlation between our call to evangelize this world and maybe our failure to do so? Mm-hmm. And the rise in paganism, the rise in uh, atheism, the rise in barbarism. What say you, David O'Gray? And that was a great essay, Joe, over at um, Crisis Magazine. It's called Facing the Rising Bar- 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 Barbarism. And yeah, Reese Martin, say. he's one of my favorite professors when I was at Steubenville. I think he's, he's one of the smartest professors I've ever had. Um, so a really great essay. And when I was reading it, I think it pointed out something you're pointing out as well. So um, what's going on now and also that this is also nothing new. So we talk about those really briefly. briefly. So, And I have been talking about this in my podcast last year, a little bit this year, was by the fact that if you tune your your news feed, you know, you can get certain news in your email or whatever. If you tune, if you put in a search stream, um, beatings in high school, violence in high school, there's been such an increase of children just doing crazy things that are classmates in classrooms. It's like this epidemic that the country isn't talking about right now, the rise of violence in high schools and, and junior high schools. And w- I think what's going on, and also this is nothing new as well. We, we always have these moments throughout history where we just there's nothing new about putting a king or a queen's head on a stake, right? Or something that happens, what happened in Rwanda. This is, it happens places and times throughout history where, where I think what happens is that we just lose a sense of shame. And we've seen this with the original sin that when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they realized they were naked and it says that they felt shame. And the Hebrew word there is bush. And it just means a, a deep sense of, of loss, of um, awareness of that something happened, something changed. And what, the, what happened with them is that they, they realized that they had lost original holiness and they were ashamed because of that. They were aware of their shame. And so immediately what they did was just covered it up. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do in life. We have a sense of shame. We, we, we do something, we sin, and then we immediately try to cover it up, right? And we see this through society, I think, and, and when we, we, we lose, we, we, man, you just think of all the things we've lost a sense of shame of. We used to feel ashamed about things like divorce, out of wedlock marriage, a, adultery, abortions, homosexuality. A lot of things that we used to feel ashamed about in society, we now just accept as just normal behavior. And what God has deemed evil, we've turned into new virtue. We, we now see it as a sense of good. And so I, I think as we continue this decline into barbarism, I think we're going to see a lot more of this because we, we're just not ashamed of losing our goodness anymore. But I wonder if we Catholics should uh, feel like we're responsible. Like the, the, the world seems to be getting worse by the day, and I feel like we're to blame for that. And the reason why I say that is because have we taken seriously our call to absolutely convert the whole world? I mean, when is the last time you heard from your particular bishop, my bishop, any bishop, that, okay, guys, here's the plan. Here's how we're going to convert this diocese 100%, every soul. This is how we're going to do it. All right, so I've got the plan here. The priest is going to be doing this and blah, 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 blah. Like, do you, do you even, like, wow. in our diocese right now, there is a director of evangelization, but 
almost no one knows who it is. Don't wow. you, don't you find that like if you were the director of evangelization, you're like, wouldn't your name be the next most popular name in the diocese besides the bishop? It would seem like that would be have to be the case, wouldn't it? I never thought about that, Joe. Man, that 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 is a phenomenal point. Why why do not we hear that coming from? Um, the chancery, like, oh, we, we have this great, we do hear about these evangelization, evangelization plans, and it's always attached to some sort of fundraiser, right? But it, <laughs> yeah. it, it never it never translates into us, like, doing anything really different than what we've, what we've been doing. That's, that, that's a phenomenal point. And, and there is a universal call to holiness, um, which is, you know, of course, a universal call to salvation. All everyone, God has called everyone to, um, to the knowledge of truth. He, he's called everyone to that. And, and many will be saved, as we say, during the liturgy, during the prayer of consecration, as the priest says. Um, so we are all called to holiness. And I think it's, it's more possible to be holy than it is to win a lottery. But we don't think about it in that sense. It's, it's more possible to be a saint. You're more, more likely to become a saint than you are to win a lottery. Maybe not a canonized saint, but it's, it's possible because God has called us to it. And he gave it, given us the means to be holy through the sacraments. So it's, it's, it's phenomenal that there isn't like this urgency of calling people to that which Jesus Christ has made possible. Do you think that Catholics today are afraid to be labeled as uh, proselytizers? You know, like we're too heavy handed. Like, is it the is it just the fad, the fashion, the times where college you is? We don't want to uh, offend our, you know, co-religionists you know outside of the church i mean it it seems absolutely insane to me it's the one call christ gives us is to go and make disciples of the whole world and and we're too afraid to say anything i mean is it I, to me i just think we get what we deserve yeah you do notice that i think protestants have a sense of they don't want to appear to be too catholic we're not going to talk about mary too much maybe at christmas that's it and I think Catholics, we also maybe have that sense of this. Maybe we don't want to appear too Protestant, too Mormon, right? We don't want to knock on doors. We don't want to like Jehovah Witnesses. We don't want to really be <clears throat> really out there with our faith. You see any Protestant on a street, you have a, a, a long conversation with them, maybe even a short conversation. It typically ends with them what? Hey, why don't you visit my church, right? Right. <laughs> and Catholics, we don't really have that same sense of invitation, which is attached to the call to holiness. We got Mormons going through the neighborhood. Jehovah's Witnesses coming through the neighborhood. They they have no problem whatsoever talking to strangers. I mean, you got door to door salesmen that don't have any problem talking to strangers. <laughs> politicians, <laughs> yeah, politicians have knocked on my door. But uh, but college you is Catholics. We just we're not in the business anymore. But. Uh, yeah, where where's the zeal? There isn't any, it seems. It, it, yeah, it's. Uh, it's I mean, there, there there's examples of zeal still in the church. Praise be to God. But my point is, on the great, on the whole, it seems like it's not really in fashion anymore. And I just keep going back to the correlation between the rise in barbarism in our society, mm -hmm. the crassness, the crudeness, the violence, the 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 sheer secularism of society and its decay. Well, I think that's a byproduct of the lack of evangelization. That's my point. I'll give you the yeah, last I think word. It, I think it is on us, absolutely, as, as Catholics. We've been around the longest. Um, we are the Church of Christ. It, it is on us. I think any time that we see just the normalcy of sin, 
and people not turning to the sacraments. That's that's on us. We're just not doing our job. Let's do better. Let's do better. The infamous words from David L. Gray. The infamous. <laughs> DavidLGray.info is his website. Check out the Gray Report there. It's podcast and so much more. DavidLGray.info. God bless you, David. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me on. Peace. Time, time to play a game show where you're going to learn about your faith. It's coming up next. 877-757-9424. Call right now. I had a theology professor who told me that Adam and Eve were just myths and that the rest of Genesis was all Genesis was. Is that what the church teaches? Absolutely not. The church has always taught that Adam and Eve were real people and were the first human beings from whom all other human beings are descended. In 1950, Pope Pius XII in the encyclical Humani Generis states, The faithful cannot embrace the opinion that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin, take their generation from Adam, or that Adam represents a certain number of first parents. In other words, teaches that all humanity descended from Adam and Eve. They were real people. Paragraph 38. This encyclical, in fact, clearly points out the first 11 chapters of Genesis do nevertheless pertain to history in a true sense. Again, Adam and Eve are not myths, and the rest of Genesis is not legend. Genesis is history in a true sense. Paragraph 39. Therefore, whatever of the popular narrations have been inserted into the sacred scriptures must in no way be considered on a par with myths or other such things. Can it be stated any clearer than that? The Catechism says, paragraph 375, the church teaches that our first parents, Adam and Eve, no mention of a myth here, paragraph 404, by yielding to the tempter, Adam and Eve committed a personal sin. Someone please tell me how do myths commit personal sins? Adam and Eve's are not myths. Genesis does not contain myth or legend. That is church teaching. Challenge anyone who teaches differently to produce their sources from a magisterial document. They can't do it. They can, however, produce countless books and articles by theologians. Not good enough. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where secrets and agendas are at stake. But what I need more than just telling you all of my hidden secrets is a phone call, a contestant to play our game. That phone number is wide open for you right now. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. 877-757-9424. Call right now. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now. Now, here is the deal. There is uh, a lot of, uh, you know, sneakiness on the down low here. So keep it between us. But number one, we like to teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you just might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. 
And then, of course, we like to, uh, you know, have a laugh. We like to have a good time. Our callers tend to be amazing. Praise be to God. They laugh with us, and that's probably the funnest part of all. And then we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. I mean, it's a total incentive package. And uh, But there's the kicker. The kicker is we don't ask the caller the questions. So they don't even need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game. And that's because I'll, instead of asking them, I'll ask Rudy, I'll ask Adrian. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. And one of them will wear a tie, and we don't yet know what that means when the other one doesn't. <laughs> So we're still correlating that data. But nonetheless, uh, the caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? Every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Con- Conversion Starters. And I'm just thinking about this conversation we just had with mm-hmm. David L. Gray. Yeah. Well, we've yeah. got to reignite the faith here a little bit. Well, you could start with conversionstarters.com, which mm-hmm. makes... Evangelization easy and painless for everyone. Conversion starters, uh, t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs catch Mm. people's eye and pique their curiosity by featuring common questions about Catholicism, along with a convenient website where they can go and read a brief and easy-to-understand answer to the questions proposed. You could be a billboard for Christ. Visit conversionstarters.com where they say... Evangelate. The, the, Do they say it? They say. Is that what they say? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that that conversion starters is evangelization for introverts. Easy for you to say. Woo! <laughs> Winner this week's going to win one of their shirts and a mug. Praise be to God. Biden moment. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a day like that so Mm. far. Praise be to God. All right. Thank you very much to Conversion Starters for your generous gift, giving us the stuff to give away to our listeners. We really appreciate that. Let's go to the phones. Praise be to God. Uh, Gerardo, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. Is this my friend, Master Baker? It is. From, From the mighty Tony's Bakery in Midland, Texas. Yes, sir. Are you calling to check on the status of those uh, samples that you sent our way? I mean, uh, have we, Adrian? Yeah, did you receive those? Where you can't you can't trust post office workers. No, exactly. Yeah, Adrian, did they ever arrive? Just um, curious. just curious. I can neither affirm nor deny whether or not they got to me. Um, <laughs> they must be lost along with my tax return. <laughs> yeah, they got lost in uh, in my uh, mouth. I see. <laughs> In my taste buds. Well, good morning to you, Master Baker. Praise be to God. It's good to hear your voice again. How are you feeling, sir? Doing well. And how's Grandpa? He's doing good. He's been coming up here and telling us what to do and <laughs> out, outpacing me, just like always, but, you know. Good. Well, we're glad to hear that he's doing well, and, uh, and we're always glad to hear from our friends at Tony's Bakery in Midland, Texas. All right, I know you know the rules. You're a CDT insider. Uh, are you ready, sir? I am. Praise be to God. We will uh, we will get started, as is our custom, our our patrimony, our tradition here. Church approved, by the way. Our cultists. Our, is it our cultists? Right, yeah. Start with Team Rudy. Well, it comes like a thief in the night. When it does, start my cultists. So I'm noticing a trend. Uh, <laughs> no tie Monday. Uh, Ascot on Tuesday. And no tie Wednesday. So... We're starting to put the puzzle pieces together. There's like a 4chan group that is just talking about this one subject. <laughs> Don't go there. Whether or not... <laughs> Don't ever go to that Rudy, website. Rudy, where's the your soul. On the game show. Rudy, can you tell me? 
Uh, what famous Catholic Spaniard discovered Florida? History question. From yes. España. España? In España, we call him Ponce de Leon. That Ponce? Ponce. Ponce de Leon. No, not like a Frenchman. Oh, okay, no. Ponce. Ponce de Leon. That's what I said. I said. See, see. I said Ponce de Leon. You sound like a Frenchman. <laughs> I'm starting to get offended Man. as a Spaniard myself. All right, so Ponce de Leon. Ponce. Ponce. Ponce? Ponce. Is it Ponce? See, see. <laughs> okay, Ponce de Leon. Yes. Adrian. Uh, praise be to God. I know at the University of St. Thomas, you had to take advanced courses in in Catholic history. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like <sighs> Spanish all years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to answer this question. Yeah, I took a total of mm-hmm. zero church history classes. Uh, is that zero? Is that like more than one? or I forget. That's uh, less than one. It's been a long time mm-hmm. since I've had to take math. All right, can you tell me then, what famous Catholic Spaniard discovered Florida? Well... As a, a self-identified yeah. PhD in Whoa. Spaniards, yeah. I know all the Spaniards in the whole world. Really? Yes, every single one of them. Impressive. Every one of them. It was the King Bourbon himself. King Bourbon? Mm-hmm. Huh. From the House of Bourbon? Where it gets the name. Wow. The OG. The Bourbon. Bourbon himself. Bourbon. Is it Bourbon? Bourbon. Bourbon. I got to roll that R. I can't do that. Bourbon. All right. Uh... Well, my friend, Master Baker, you got options here. Hopefully, you're a history expert. Uh, Adrian seems to think that the famous Catholic Spaniard who discovered Florida was King Bourbon. And uh, Rudy says it was Ponce de Leon. (laughs) Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Master Baker, Tony's Bakery, Midland, Texas. What say you? The descendants of a De Leon, I'm going to go with De Leon. What? Come on. Mm. Do you have access to the uh, Fountain of Youth? Can I get a, get some of that? Oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was one of those that, that came through during the revolution and just seeded his way through, if you know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> wow, fascinating. Praise be to God. No curveballs for the Master Baker today. Uh, congratulations, you are correct. Ponce De Leon is... The correct answer. All right, so we're going to go to number two. Easily the easiest question of the day. Mm, I don't know about that. I... I think it might be over. Really? It might be over. Oof. If this is over, then it's over. I would agree. We're going to go to Adrian first. Adrian, what is the term for extraordinary events that cannot be explained naturally? Well, as someone who studied extraordinary events... That cannot be explained naturally. Wow. Uh, Very much in college. Okay. In fact, one of my expertises. Really? One of my many expertise, as one might say. Okay. Someone who studied English would know. Expertise. The term would be a miracle or miracles. Miracle. Mm Mm-hmm. With the S in uh, in parentheses. Miracle. You're just going to go miracle or miracles. Miracles is your answer. I actually believe that. Okay. You All believe right. in miracles? Hmm. I believe in science. Maybe we should pass him the tinfoil uh, Beretta. Yeah, I don't know. Seems like conspiracy. Uh, uh, Rudy, maybe you could tell me what is the term for extraordinary events that cannot be explained naturally? Well, as a self-professed atheist, uh, it's just coincidence, Joe. You're you're an atheist? Mm, no, I knew it. I should have asked this question at the interview. <laughs> Why didn't I? That would be insane. Ask this question. I'm not actually an atheist, but ag- it, it's it's coincidence. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years from now? And also, are you an atheist? I, I 
I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> try to get that. So your answer is coincidence. 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 All right, Ma- Master Baker is an extraordinary event that cannot be explained naturally. A coincidence, as Rudy says, or a miracle or miracles. As Adrian is suggesting, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Master Baker, what say you? It's a phenomenon that I'm going to go with Adrian. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they don't call him Master Baker for nothing. He's a master at this. Well played, good sir. Do you have a master's <laughs> degree in baking? Well played. Uh, when one must admit Adrian is correct, they should not do so with great confidence. Lame. Uh, Can you do Baker's fractions? Baker's fractions. Hey, we're going to run out of time. We better ask okay, this last okay. I'll ask later. <laughs> Easily the easiest question of the day. I have to say, uh, this question may be a little tricky. Could be, I guess. I suppose. We're going to start with a, uh, Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me, may Catholics take part in the lottery? Of course. I play every day. I put $50 down <laughs> wow. every single day. And Tomorrow I'm going to win. Talk about your family changing eating habits all of a sudden. <laughs> all right, uh, Adrian, may Catholics take part in the lottery? Well, despite the fact that uh, we have lottery state, our federal ta- another federal tax, tax of the poor, one might say, mm-hmm. I'm going to say no. Catholics should mm. never partake mm. in lotteries. Mm. Well, Master Baker, the question is, can Catholics take part in the lottery? Adrian says no. Rudy says yes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you, sir? I think my, my pastor always said, as long as you remember us. And the <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. Oh, <laughs> praise be to God. <laughs> you can, in fact, As long as you don't forget the the clinking of coins in the baskets. Mm-hmm. Or or gamble away your <laughs> the wealth of your family. <laughs> All right. Congratulations. In fact, you can play the lottery. But if it becomes addictive or you can't pay your mortgage or your other bills, that's a problem. You should not be playing the lottery then. But nonetheless, you are right. Master Baker, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for playing our game and having a laugh with us today. Appreciate it very much. Always a pleasure. Yes, praise be to God. And someday, by God's grace, we'll get to enjoy your tasty tidbits at Tony's Bakery in Midland. Until then, I'm going to put you on hold. That's going to do it for the radio side. Join us in the after show where we'll conversate directly. Do you pray the liturgy of the hours? I'd like to know. Go to grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Feast of St. Lawrence. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Blessed Feast of Blessed Martyrs, Holy women, holy men, 
with our love and admiration, greet we your return again. Worthy deeds are theirs and wonders, worthy of the name they bore. We with joyful praise and singing honor them forevermore. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison. Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Glory to God in the highest, and, and on, on earth peace to people, people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. O God, giver of that ardor of love for you, by which St. Lawrence was outstandingly faithful in service, and glorious in martyrdom, grant that we may love what he loved, and put into practice what he taught, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must do as already determined, without sadness or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Moreover, God is able to make every grace abundant for you, so that in all things, always having all you need, you may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, He gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. The one who supplies seed to the sower 
and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed the man who is gracious and lends to those in need. Blessed the man who is gracious and lends to those in need. Blessed the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commands. His prosperity will be mighty upon the earth. The upright generation shall be blessed. Blessed the man who is gracious and lends to those in need. Well for the man who is gracious and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. He shall never be moved. The just one shall be an everlasting remembrance. Blessed the man who is gracious and lends to those in need. In evil report he shall not fear. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steadfast. He shall not fear till he looks down upon his foes. Blessed the man who is gracious and lends to those in need. Lavishly he gives to the poor. His generosity shall endure forever. His horn shall be exalted in glory. Blessed the man who is gracious and lends to those in need. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, says the Lord. Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Lawrence was asked by the emperor for the riches of the church and he took all of the, uh, the lepers and the lame and the sick and the poor and he put them in a basilica. And when they, they were searching, because he was the, the, the procurator of Rome, the, the one who handled the, dispensed the charity of, of the church in Rome, he brought them, showed all the, of the sick and the poor and the, the emperor was enraged, um, be, but it's true, the truth of Christianity, the truth of Jesus Christ, is that the instrumental cause of resurrection or divine charity is crucifixion, is the sufferings, the sufferings of the church and uh, serving the poor is bringing about that charity. That is why in all of the churches that you will see in the Catholic Church around the world, we need to have a crucifix present because the crucifix 
they're very much like the first reading. If we need to have that sowing generously, that sign of sowing generously um, in front of us, uh, because it's the instrumental cause of the resurrection. The, the, the crucifix and the, what it means to us is a decision that we have to make on an hourly basis in order to be disciples. That, that maxim, that spiritual rule that St. Paul taught St. Timothy, if you die with Christ, you shall reign with him. Uh, it's a conditional statement. It also means if you don't die with Jesus, you won't reign with him. It also um, means that to the degree that you die with Jesus is the degree that you will reign with him. And that's why it is an excellent practice for us uh, daily to meditate on the passion of Jesus. Meditating on the passion of Jesus, you know, the saints talk about all the wonderful effects. Saint uh, Alphonsus de Liguori probably explored it the most in his book on the, the passion of, of Christ and how fruitful it is to, to meditate on it. In fact, a lot of times for myself, like when I'm, when I'm feeling stale or dry in prayer, I always use it as, I call it spiritual calisthenics. Before you even get to the real thing, it's good to warm up your spirit, your will, make your mind more, uh, get your mind into that alacrity that you need. And the, the passion of Jesus has a way of focusing our whole soul on the love of God. And if we don't, we get stuck in the world and we get stuck in all these anxieties or fears or, you know, the conversation that we had or whatever. And in order to get to, to pray, to, to really pray in mental prayer and be able to really truly listen to God, you need a way of breaking through that. And that's why the, the you know, meditating on the passion of Christ. And, and that's what the martyrs were able to do. And the reason why the martyrs were able to be martyrs is because they first realized that Jesus is speaking of himself. And he's, he's showing by example. He has sown generously in each person. In a few minutes here, he is going to give his body, blood, soul, and his divinity, his entire divinity to us. That's generous. And he's sowing that seed generously in us to show us this is how you do it. And, and having, being close to the Eucharistic mystery is the only real way of growing in that kind of generosity and allowing God to be lavishly generous to us. Another important mystery is the mystery of God the Father, that he is the one who has shown generous love by giving us his son. To have a real tender relationship with God as Abba, as, as, as a, a daddy, a, a papa, a, a, have that tenderness, an Abba. You have to have that tenderness of God is omnipotent and all-powerful for you to truly be able to give without thinking of the cost or without thinking of the conditions. That's the only way you can do that. And finally, with our Blessed Mother, to have a relationship with her and to realize the, the generosity she had by being with Jesus at every moment and helping us to meditate on the passion of her beloved son. Uh, Our Lady has a way of bringing about that generosity, that zeal of, of spirit. Let us, on this glorious feast day of St. Lawrence, not sp uh, so sparingly, let us so bountifully that we may reap bountifully. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. 
We pray for the whole church that the witness of the holy martyrs may make all disciples generous as our Father is generous. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, that they may so bountifully in the mystery of shepherding the church. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders that they may pass laws that are in accordance with gospel virtues, especially the, the natural law written on every human heart. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that we may respond to Jesus in his distressing disguise. For these we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase of, of uh, vocations to priesthood, religious life, and the sanctification of marriage and family. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. For these we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail, Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him Lord of all. Crown him, ye martyrs of our God, who from his altar call. Extol the stem of Jesse's rod, and crown him Lord of all. Extol the stem of Jesse's rod, and crown him Lord of all. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Receive with favor, O Lord, the offerings we joyfully make on the feast of day of St. Lawrence, and grant that they may become a help to our salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for the blood of your blessed martyr Lawrence, poured out like Christ to glorify your name, shows forth your marvelous works, by which in our weakness you perfect your power, and on the feeble bestow strength to bear you witness to Christ our Lord. And so with the powers of heaven, we worship you constantly on earth, and before your majesty, without end, we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahol, Pleni Sunt Celi et Terra, 
Glory unto God, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim, by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Lawrence, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant, Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, 
through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audehimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicut in cielo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum, Da nobis odie, Et imite nobis debita nostra, Sicut et nos timitimus, Debitoribus nostris, Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Antiphon. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be, says the Lord. Act of Spiritual Communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King Who has washed us in the tide Flowing from his pierced side Praise we him whose love divine Gives his sacred blood for wine Gives his body for the feast Christ the victim, Christ the priest Where the paschal blood is poured Death's dark angel sheathes his sword Israel's host triumphant go Through the wave that drowns the foe Praise we Christ whose blood was shed Paschal victim, Paschal bread With sincerity and love Eat we manna from above Mighty victim from on high Hell's fierce, fierce powers beneath you lie you have conquered in the fight, You have brought us life and light. Now no more can death appall, Now no more the grave enthrall. You have opened paradise, And in you your saints shall rise. Let us pray. Nourished by these sacred gifts, we humbly implore you, Lord, that the homage of dutiful service, which we render on the feast of St. Lawrence, may bring us an increase of your saving grace through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. For all the saints who from their labors rest, all who by faith before the world confessed, your name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Alleluia, Alleluia. You were their rock, their fortress, and their might. You, Lord, their captain in the well-fought fight. Yet in the darkness drear their one true light. Alleluia, Alleluia. Oh, may your soldiers, faithful, true, and bold, Fight as the saints who nobly fought of old, and win with them. The prayer to St. Michael. 
Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy that peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. My name's Alyssa Vigil from St. Ignatius of Loyola, 